Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Live Beyond Average podcast, here with MFly, the camera guy, my Hi. brother, <laughs> again. Uh, it's going to be a good episode today. Today we're going to talk about filming hunts. Uh, so, let's start off. Matthew, for anybody who doesn't know, Matthew's been filming for me since season two of Run to Gun TV. Yeah. Filmed a little bit in season one, but season two is when you were the guy. Um, I just take over full time, and we are filming season eight right now. So quite a few years, seven years of filming. Um, let's dive into a little bit on like you just getting started with filming, and l let's focus the beginning of this of just filming hunts because you film a ton of stuff. Right. Um, but let's start the beginning of this of just filming hunts. Obviously, you got into it by filming my hunts, but you never filmed any hunts before that. No. So, and I, I remember specifically, like, thinking when you were filming, like, oh, dude, you need to watch some outdoor TV mm -hmm. and watch some outdoor films and do these things before you start filming hunts. Right. Yeah, and I, uh, I'm, like, I've never been into hunting as much as you and Dad, and so obviously just off that one sentence, I was like, no, I don't want to go watch a hunting show. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, now. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if he was in my head at the time or not, but like, I didn't want my inspiration to come from a hunting TV show anyway. Yeah. Like I drew inspiration from other things. Yeah. And which I think is pretty cool because it's made, you know, some of the style of our stuff different. Right. Than the traditional yeah. hunting show. And, and obviously hunting TV has transformed so much over the years too. But you definitely never let what the standard was influence your, your filming. Yeah. So what was the first, how, how did you get into it? What was the first camera you were using? And tell me a little bit about how you just got started in a sense of learning how to follow somebody around on a hunt versus, you know, filming something in the gym. Were we using a Sony, I couldn't tell you the model, but I mean, it was a, Full-size camera. Yeah, full-size with a handle on it. Yeah, it was a full-size camera. It was like a, yeah, what was that? A Sony NX some, something. Yeah. It was a really good camera. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was top of the line, the you know, time, 2014. Yeah. Shot full HD, which was all, you know, what we needed at the time. There wasn't a lot of 4K cameras even back then. It wasn't really, I mean, it was a thing, but it mm -hmm. wasn't prevalent and definitely wasn't affordable. Right. Um, but yeah, this camera was good. Full, full camera with multiple... Uh, ports for mics, yeah. Um, full, yeah. I mean, it was a a bigger camera, yeah. Um, not a handy cam, no. So, but dude, do you remember getting that camera like literally the day before yeah. our first yes. hunt? Well, no, no. I'm thinking of the second camera for that three gun shoot, right? No, that what this that was, was the camera. That was the camera. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I came down because I was in Murdo, and uh, came down here to Falls. Picked up the camera, and the following day we had we were gonna go film the three gun shoot. Yeah, with Hornady. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, came down here, picked up the camera. Jordan's like, better better start messing with that thing, learn how to use it. Like you got to use it tomorrow. You know, within twelve hours, basically, <laughs> picking the camera up, had to learn yeah. how to use it. And so I don't I don't really know if I was ever intimidated a whole lot. I think it was pretty easy point and shoot. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, did you, so, yeah, that, that's the next question. Did you feel like, did you have, like, an ex, an expectation or a stress of, like, how you were going to film, 
not getting something on film? Not really. Like I wasn't, I wasn't ever too stressed out about it. Um, I don't know if that's just the relaxed side of me or, or mm -hmm. what it is, but like I, I just knew how to follow you around in film, so I knew it couldn't have been that difficult, really. Yeah, like, capture a lot of story. Yeah. So. Tell me how you started to learn, like with those bigger cameras, you're running everything on manual focus, or just manual settings. Yeah. How did you figure out like how to capture and be in focus? How to, like what f-stops you're on? What I, like how to have maximum ISO, like how to maximize everything? How did you start going about all that? For anybody who's kind of getting into it, running manual, how are you getting, how are you learning that? just experience I mean you literally just mess with the camera and look up um, like a few things of you know ISO the lower I'm terrible at this I don't know the settings like at the time especially like I didn't know even like what setting did what dang near without just messing with it yeah you know yeah we weren't terminology guys we no. didn't go to school for it no so we weren't like oh what's the f-stop doing you could sit here and be like oh well you crank it one way you get better uh, you know, visual in your landscape, you couldn't, you know what I mean? Like, we weren't those people. Right. But we knew what settings, as we played with it, you figured out like, oh, there's definitely more crisp crispness to yep. the visual or the lighting's better. Or, oh, I run a faster shutter speed when you're working out and it's not blurry. Like, yeah. you just figure all those things out, but we were never, and we're probably really still not no, guys I, I, who I were like... Yeah, I still don't know terminology like I, as a cameraman, should. Like, yeah, but you can run a freaking camera and film really good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's crazy. Um, but that's like the self-taughtness. You learn yeah. how, to, how to actually do the action versus just know the... There's a lot of guys who know the lingo who can't freaking frame a shot, right? Right. I think that's actually a lot of guys. <laughs> I think it is, too. You know, um, so let's talk about that. Uh, how did you figure out... During your experience, and when did it start? Do you think, like, if you step back and look uh, on just learning how to frame shots, what what are you looking for out in the field when you're filming a hunt? I, yeah, framing's for me. Framing's like most important. That'll make or break a shot. Like, if you're say you're just focusing on a flower, I mean, you just put it in the middle of a frame and it looks super average. But I mean, say you put it in the lower third and you have a bunch of landscape in the background that's blurred out, it looks it looks a lot better. So explain to people who maybe knew at this, like the third, like the basics third rule. Like this is like yep. basic, basic yeah. video photography. Like explain that to them. So your screen is split into nine squares essentially. You got your, you got three horizontal, three vertical. And so, like um, in a TV show, like Run to Gun, Jordan's name pops up at the beginning after a commercial break. Jordan's on screen, thing pops up, says Jordan Miller, Run to Gun. That's in the lower third. The lower left third. Yep. yep. And so, I mean, uh, like with eyes, I mean, you can shoot, people shoot all differently, and there's lots of things that are great. Uh, but, like, a lot of times you want, like, your eyes um, close to the line of the top third, mm -hmm. I believe. Or I always, a lot of times, I'll cut off the top of the forehead. And it's just like, you just have to have a vision, I guess, of what, what your show's going to look like. Yeah, and how you want how you want it to look and I don't know how the to, connection point like yeah and for us we have that we've been doing it so long that we know the feel yeah of that video um and how it's how I'm trying to connect with a viewer yeah um now like you filmed a lot of like even dentist videos or you film you know you film a lot of different stuff for different businesses 
that feels different. And like you have to get to know your, I know like you've talked to me about like getting to know the guy a little bit so you can understand how help him create the feel. Cause sometimes they don't know, even know right. the feel they're trying to put out in their video. Yeah. Like I know you've worked with a, like a dentist office before and they were unsure about how they wanted that feel. And like you had to help them go about figuring that feel out through your videos. Right. Um, so that's just, again, probably an experience thing uh, that you've acquired over time. Yeah. Um, so as you're filming and like for you, you're thinking about it in a story sense for people who are trying to like get into this a little bit or film their own hunts by themselves or them and a buddy, what are some things that they can do during the day, during the hunt to help really just like capture the whole story and be able to mesh it together at the end? So the big thing is, is making sure that you're filming a story that'll make sense. So you're not having breaks in between you getting out of the vehicle to two miles down the road, literally. So like, make sure you're filming things all in between that. So you, so you don't turn on the camera and or so so you're watching the TV show and say you you film getting out of the pickup and then next thing you film is you're up on the mountain. Where's the story? Like, for a viewer, um, you have to pretend that they're deaf and the visuals have to make sense. Mm. That's that's how I think of it. You have to pretend the viewer's deaf so the visuals have to create a story. Without the sound There's on. There's no audio saying we're doing this. Okay. So there has to be a visual sense of story and where we're going and where we've been. I like it. I like it. That's very cool. And, like, that's actually a really good example I'm terrible about this whenever you have a tag and you put me behind the camera, I'm like, I'm terrible about that. Like getting all the in-between stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, cause I'm a hunter first, cameraman second. So yep. I'm like with you and I'm still wanting to spot game. I'm yep. like, dude, there's a good buck over here. And I'm like, oh, I got to turn the camera on. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have your little short stories on our YouTube channel. And it's like you crawling up on the deer and shooting. It's like, <laughs> and it's true. It's like, but where's the beginning? Like, yeah. The beginning I skipped. And so right. where you're like the opposite, you're video first, hunter second. Yeah. And so, and that obviously shows in your quality of work. So, okay. So that's, that's one thing. So making sure the story is whole, whether you decide to air it or not, mm -hmm. or whether it makes the final edit, you might not have all that in there, but have it filmed. Yeah. And I mean, and realistically, it's just a few shots that tells that you went from the pickup to the hill. There's just a few shots in there that, hey, we, we hiked this, Yeah. now we're here. And it maybe only take you um, 90 seconds to film those three shots. Yep. But yeah, tran uh, just yeah, transitioning. It's a few six second shots, yes. realistically, between those two points of the vehicle and the hill. So how are you filming those shots to make them look good and mesh all together? So like I'll get different angles is a must and um, you have to make sure, I don't know what it's called, but you, I mean, you have to make sure you don't break, say he's walking left or right, you can't film him walking left to right and then jump to the opposite side and f film him walking right to left. Because if you jump to those two scenes, he's walking backwards in the next scene. Yeah. So if you're going to do that, you have to get a front, you have to get a front shot in between those two. Yes. To, to explain that you flipped. Yep. It's, I forget what the term is, it's breaking something. Yeah, we've yeah. talked about it in the past when we do the term, we're so bad about terminology, yeah. but uh, that's actually probably one of my favorite rules. I'm a rule breaker, but that one is one I try not to break on when I'm editing. Um, and you make it easy because you don't 
film it to be able to break that rule. Yeah. Um, so I don't even have the shots to be able to put in the final edit on the ones that I'm editing. Um, yeah, so like when you're looking on the screen, watch a show, if the guy is walking from the right side of the screen to the left side of the screen, in those next coming shots, that sequencing, like they should all be moving right to left. Yep. You don't want them walking from left to right. right. Uh, it's, and you can do it's it, confusing. but it's just, it's, it's not easy on the eyes. Yep. It's not flowful. Yep. Um, and that's something as a viewer, like those little things, like shows that are fun and easy to watch, you'll never even know or think about it. No. You probably never thought about it before, but it's because it was put together well. Correct. And it's flowful. Correct. Shows that aren't that fun to watch and you're feeling uneasy, they're probably breaking a lot of those rules. Yes. You don't necessarily know what those rules are. But it's uncomfortable to but watch. It's just uncomfortable to watch or that, that uh, even for me, like we'll get into like, the sequencing. Yeah. That ki- like, that's actually probably one of the toughest things for me now that I know what it is and like, I figured out like, oh, that's why I don't like this specific video is when sequencing is terrible. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about sequencing and what you do when you're filming to make the edits easier for me or for when you're editing. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about the sequencing. So a lot of things go into sequencing, but like another thing is, I don't know, so I think some editors follow rules. I don't follow any rules with that. But sure. like the thing is just to mix up your tights, mids, and wides. Okay. Like I, I like my tight shots. I love them to death. More, and I love a good wide, but like, um, it's just mixing up those while you're sequencing. So you have, uh, say you have two tights, so then you want to go to either a mid or a wide. So what's a tight? <clears throat> so a tight would be if I have the camera ri- right in your face, really zoomed in on your face or your feet. Gross. Just, just okay. a really zoomed in shot of something, or a really okay. tight shot of something. Okay. And then a mid, you know, it's just kind of that medium ground. Yep. So you're like your, your whole body's maybe full frame, or like I'm on, I'm on a... You know, I'm on a whole bush. It's not a real tight shot, but it's not a giant landscape shot. Okay. So it's just a middle of the ground shot. Okay. And then the wide is I'm all the way backed out with the zoom, and you might be in the distance, and I have a whole lot of landscape in the shot. Yes. And then within that, you have variations of everyone yes. else. Like you have ultra tights. Yep. You have, you know, whether it be, you know, a rack focus, a cha- you know, change of focus within a mid or yep. a pan wide or, you know, I mean, so... You have all these variations of those three main ones. Yep. Okay, so then how are you putting those together? It's just, you know, it's just creating a flow. It's creating a, a sense of easiness on your eyes. It's making sure okay. your story flows together. It's easy to watch. You're not, you're not a sudden, it's like a sudden break or you don't have five tights in a row. I think that's the big one. Because it's just, and same thing with like slow-mo, like say you're shooting some slow-mo, like, don't put, it, it's just, too much slow-mo is not a good thing. I agree. And it's um, been used, and that's just our opinion, because yep. it's heavily used nowadays. Yep. And, and slow-mo we, is great. Oh, we it's love our really fair sure slow-mos on yep. certain things, too. But it gets a little slow to watch, and it breaks the sense of realism. It'll actually make the viewer feel like they're not there. Okay. I agree with that. So There's some shows now that like the whole show is slow mo except mm-hmm. for the voiceover, which yeah. obviously is not slow mo, but the voiceover and then the actual like kill shot. Yeah. But that's just like filled with slow mo. Yeah. It's so interesting. You, you want you want to create a story in a sequence that really pulls the viewer in and makes them feel like they're there with you. Okay. So I mean just like just like when you're telling when we're on the field and I'm filming you do the interview and you tell us how it's a cold morning and that we walked up here and our feet hurt or you know like we had to bundle up like just telling the story itself too that is the same as making them feel like they're there because you're explaining it so it's a it's a mixture of 
dialogue and visual. Okay, awesome. All right, so that's filling the story portion and lining it up in the post, you know, in the post edit and doing your work in the field with the camera. So the post edit is everything you need. Yeah. And it's there and it's simple. Yeah. Right. And a lot of guys I think forget about like do the work out in the field first and then it becomes. And it'll make, yeah, it'll make your editing a whole lot easier if you have all the shots you need. Yeah. And I've noticed you even like one thing that you do really well of because for years I did all the editing until you really just like, I learned that Matthew could edit and do it a lot better than me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one thing like reviewing all the footage is that what he, you would do, and I don't even know if you, you probably know you do this, but like, let's say you get a shot and I'm kind of like walking in a foreground and you, but you have like, you know, a, let's just use a flower, you know, or some nice like prairie grass in focus in front. You'll grab that shot, you know, with maybe like the sun in the background coming up, but then you'll grab the same shot at a different, like, like you talked about tight width, mm -hmm. tight mid wide. He'll grab a similar shot with that same, you know, prairie grass, wherever, but grab it in like a wide or a yeah. mid or a different angle. That way it's like, cause sometimes and that makes transitioning, I think really easy mm -hmm. on the eyes too. Cause you might ha want to show that, but be like, and it makes that visual look of like, Oh, they have multiple cameramen out in the field. Yeah. And like, that's one thing that he's always like, that's always impressed me, I think the most. And I've had compliments on it. People have brought it up in some of our shows is like, Oh, do you have like two or three cameramen? <laughs> um, because he runs around sometimes like when we're not like necessarily when we're stalking an animal, but like all that pre stuff where we're hiking in, he'll be like, I'll look back to talk to him. And he's like, a quarter mile up on this ridge getting a wide yeah. or he's like another 300 yards over here getting a shot of something that he saw and so like there's all these shot sequences, and it's like oh dude but that other shot just came from there but there's a shot from here yeah and it makes it that appeal of like oh this is a big production right uh, we've had and so that's one thing I've always been very impressed with you is like the amount of extra miles or you know footwork you put in by doing some of that and getting those like B-roll shots that just bring the whole film together. Yep. So I always say Matthew does the work of two cameramen and a single cameraman. It's pretty cool. It makes it makes the stuff really neat. Um, so let's get into now like the hunting portion of filming because you're filming, but you're also hunting. And I've worked yep. with guys in the past that are hunters first and cameraman second, yep. which. I think have, have made it tougher. For sure. Um, the, the footage is, is good uh, because they want to be hunting. Yeah. Or they're looking at the game via eye to animal versus lens to animal. Yeah. Um, and I think that's definitely one of your strengths is that you're able to focus on the film. Yeah. And like go tunnel vision, nothing else around you. And Correct. it's you and your camera and your storytelling. Um, so let's get into to that portion. Like, from where you started in season two to where you are now, we have a good example of our stock just a couple days ago on a mule deer. Um, you know, t just tell me about a little bit what's going through your head as maybe I spot it. Let's let's go from the beginning. I spot mm -hmm. somebody. I'm glassing on a hill and I spot some animals. Like where where are so, you going? I know I know I have to tell the story with the camera. Um, so Jordan spotted him, so I have to get footage of where he spotted him. So that can be B-roll over the over him talking in the final product. 
Okay. So, because I'm not, the shot doesn't want to be you just talking all the time. Yes. While you're saying, hey, we, 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 uh, we got this deer bedded up over here, and the sequence, that B-roll shot of where he's bedded up is going to be right over that where you're talking. Yep. Like, it's just, like, when you're talking with the interview, you need that footage of what they're saying to be over top of it. It's much more appealing than just looking at your face. So you're listening. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, it's true. And that's pretty hard to beat. <laughs> but like, it's true. And so, like, as a cameraman, you shouldn't just be filming. You're listening because there might be shots in there where you're like, oh, I haven't gotten that yet. Exactly. I need that. Yeah. And obviously, like, the phone scopes and stuff has helped us with a lot of this because yeah. a lot of times, as a hunter, I already have my spotter out and I have my cell phone on yeah. with the phone scope and I'm filming through the spotter on an animal that's three quarters of a mile away, a mile away, a mile and a half away. And you know that that's a dang long shot with the camera. I don't have to focus yeah. on the animal right now. Yeah. I can just film the, the hunter right. and gathering all of that story. Yeah. And so that, that's definitely eased some of the, we didn't always have that. Yeah. You know, that's a great tool now that we have. Um, okay, so from there, so we got, we're sitting there, we're talking about the animal from there. We're going on the stock. So I film him packing up, showing that, you know, we're getting ready to leave, go after the deer or the animal. Film, you know, some of the journey down. And then, you know, when we get closer, the biggest thing is not making noise, which is tough if you have a heavy tripod or a metal tripod. So, like, investing in a light carbon tripod that's preferably not metal is smart. Does it clang? It doesn't clang like our current one does. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and the, talk about the benefits in, uh, of both. Heavy tripod. We deal with a lot of wind here in South Dakota. Yeah. So we opted for a freaking heavy tripod. Yeah. Because it's not... When it's windy, there's less shaking to the film. Yep, doesn't move. Doesn't. So it's great for that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, two other things that sucks for is carrying it around. Yeah. Which you've carried that thing endless miles. As many miles as my boots hit, he carries that tripod. Yeah. That's hundreds of miles. Yeah. You know? And actually you look back from season two to now, over a thousand I mean, over a thousand. It's got well over we put on, you know, three, four hundred miles a year a lot of times on these hunts. Yeah. So it's a lot of miles carrying a beastie tripod and a beastie camera. Because our camera's not small either. No. We don't carry giant. Yeah, we don't carry a little little camera around. Yeah. Um, so, going from there, uh, you're talking about not making noise. Correct. So, so take it over. Sorry. Um, so, so, yeah, we start the stock. And um, I'm just making sure that I'm capturing the sense that, you know, we're being quiet. We're creeping real slow. Um, not just camera on at the last second to film the kill. So again, that entire story. So just making sure you get the whole story. And it probably won't use much of it. No. But you gotta have it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Are you grabbing like different mid tights or are you just running camera at that point? You know, I still try to get tights, but I have to make sure that at any moment if the deer jumps up that I'm ready to get him jumping up. Okay. So I can't be kind of looking off to the side getting a tight or anything. Like it's not your time to get your beauty shots. You can go like, back and get those. Exactly. If he always, kills it yep. or even like if you don't kill it. Take five minutes after yep. the fact and tell your hunter, hey, dude, just chill out for a second, get some yep. water. Yep. I got to grab a few shots. Yeah. Or, t you know, tell the hunter. And we, we don't do a ton of this. Um, when we used to film for, like, like, we used to film just for cable TV. Mm -hmm. And we would try to grab some t maybe tight or something after the fact. We don't film, we don't, we make films and we film for cable TV now. And we like to do, we like to brag that we do all of it live. Yeah. So that makes Matthew's job even harder. So I'm just trying to get people to respect what you do here. <laughs> so most people are going back and getting shots after the fact. 
we don't do that hardly ever mm-hmm. unless it's absolutely needed, which has maybe happened two or three times in eight yeah. years. Um, we, Matthew films everything live as it happens. So if you feel, if you see like a cutaway shot where I'm like, I'm crawling and all of a sudden there's like a tight of my hand on my bow and then it's me like looking over top of the deer, all of those shots happen live yeah. and we sequence them together. We didn't, Matthew didn't tell me like, hey, let's hold on a second. I need a shot of your hand. Don't move. Mm-hmm. Like, that didn't happen. But a lot of times, I mean, the, in productions, that's what they do. All those transition yep. shots, all the pretend sneaking or drawing, like you'll see guys draw back their bow and it's like slow-mo from the front. It's from the it's front. Like, like, it's like, camera man in front. Bro, that's where the deer's standing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, all that stuff's reshot. Yep. Into, and I get it. They're making yep. storytelling TV to be beautiful. To I, I get that. It's not appealing to me. No. And I'm not dog-crapping on anybody's work because... No. I respect that anybody who has a show out there or putting a film together, they're doing it. Yep. So good for you. You're not talking about it. You're doing it. I'm not crapping on that. It's just not my style. Yep. Um, it's, so we don't reshoot any of that. So everything you see happens live, which means Matthew's working two or three times as hard as the cameraman trying to gather all this in a short amount of time. So we're on the stock. Matthew's trying not to make noise yeah. because this is the point where your hunter I mean, we're talking about us, but like, if it's you guys are hunting, your hunter's at their most focused moment and high alert and stress. Yeah. Like, they want to kill the animal they're stalking. Like, we'll use my mule deer hunt a couple days ago as, uh, as an example. I'm within, at this point, 10 yards of a mule deer on a bad land, over the top. Matthew's behind me, and we have to drop down, like, it's like a double-staged bad land. So we're on the very top of it, and I'm, Matthew's filming. And I'm like, do I want to drop down one level or do I want to stay right here? And finally, I'm like, I'm going to drop down a level. So I drop down a level and Matthew's like, I look back and Matthew's still on the top level filming. And he's like, you, you want me to come down there? He's like, Cause, a little cause, close. Cause, make, yeah, because yeah, at this point, it's not like we're 100 yards away. We're like, if you go, the deer hears it and he's yep. done so. We're yep. 10 yards, 12 yards away from this deer. Yeah. I didn't want to hardly move from where I was. <laughs> you I, you were stressed. Yeah. I, do. <laughs> like, I, got, I got 13 size feet. I'm going to make some noise. <laughs> yeah, and you're on dry, crackly, bad landy, rocky, rock. bad land. Yeah. Um, and so remember, if you're the hunter in this situation, you have a camera behind you, remember they're just as stressed as you are. Yeah. And they're if they're good, they're trying to not make any noise, and they're not trying to mess up your hunt. Yeah. Um, so if you're hiring a guy to do this, or if it's your buddy, whatever. So Matthew's just in high stress, and I'm like, he looks at me, he's like, he does the hands like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, and I actually looked at this footage the other day and I was like, pointing like, you know, like, get down here. Like, why aren't you over my shoulder right now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm also at the same time, like, I know I'm telling you to do that. But in my head, I'm also thinking, I'm very glad that he's being so careful. Because mm-hmm. like, I want one stock and it's it and I want it to be done and I want to kill yeah. this animal. Because it takes time to do all of this. Yeah. I don't want to do it multiple times. No offense. I love hunting. I want to stock one time, put all my energy into one stock and kill an animal. Yeah. It's not fun taking hours. It sucks to fail. I mean. It, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's like sitting out with the hot blazing sun in your face for hours is taxing. Yeah. And so we're over this animal and Matthew drops down a level, still filming. So just remember all that. Okay. So now you're at the point where a guy's putting a bullet in his chamber. He's going to draw back his bow. What are you thinking? What's going through your head? So that last little bit's obviously just about the most important part of the whole stock. And so I'm basically not looking where I'm pointing my camera at this point. 
I'm just filming like this and I'm staring at my feet to make sure I'm not going to step on a loose rock or slip or step on a little dry bush, you know, that's going to catch my pant leg. And so I'm really watching where I walk mm -hmm. first so I don't make noise. And I'm filming, it's almost like watching where I walk first and filming second, you know, for a little bit there at the end so I don't make noise. Okay. Because so I, I know where I'm pointing my camera. You're, you're already you know. framed up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, dude, it's all happening. What are you, what are you doing? The kill shot happens. Okay, so kill shot happens. I shoot the deer. Yep. So I'll follow the deer for a little bit, the animal, and then I'll pan out to Jordan immediately after to get the live reaction. Because you can't fake a reaction of excitement. And you see so much of that on TV. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, <laughs> no offense. A, a, real, a real genuine excitement that you have to catch because it's, you know, second to none. You just have to get their level of excitement caught. Yeah. And we've been doing it together long enough now, too, that I try to... Like, I know not to turn and start talking to Matthew too soon. Like, like the other day, or with my elk last year, like, the elks or the deer is running and going down. I can imme I already know that deer's dead. Like, yeah. I, you know, destroyed him with the arrow. I can tell he's going to go down. If I turn and start talking to the cameraman... The cameraman's gonna turn his camera away from the deer running and just turn to me. Like yep. it's gonna be that's the normal reaction of the cameraman. Yep. And so I'm very particular as the hunter to just hold my tongue for a second. Hold my tongue like I might be like, yes, like, you know, you might do that normal thing. Yep. But I want that deer to try to go down on the camera. I want that elk to go down because that's cool. Right. You know, having that animal drop on film is sweet. Yep. And it doesn't happen often, especially with archery, you know, you see them run, yep. they're gone. So it's like when that happens. It's really neat. We've been lucky to get a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and then so I, I tr you know, it's it's only seconds. So although I might I might be like yes, I try to wait, and then I, I can see you do the pan and turn, and yep. then I'm like, dude, yeah. you know, or whatever that whatever that re reaction is that's wholesome and real. Yeah. It's captured. So we've worked long enough together that we've established. Kinda, yeah, that. we know how we work, and we you know we each know. Just, yeah, we, we each know just how we how we maneuver. Yeah, and so that's pretty cool. Um, so you film the reaction. What should a cameraman be thinking after that? From that point, you're going into uh, finding the animal to closing up the whole story. Where, where are you going? That's where, just another reaction that, that you have to make sure you're already recording your life for when you walk up on that animal because you're getting the hunter's um, first thoughts about the animal that they just killed and so like yours was the velvet so obviously I was already recording making sure that I got your first thoughts and reactions when you walked up to him yeah and I think that can be hard too because like you don't know what the terrain's like when we get up to that animal you're trying to set up on a tripod yep I'm already scouting as we're walking up I'm scouting to where I'm going to set up immediately as he's sitting down mm-hmm so I'm, I'm looking for a pretty flat spot where I might have to make one simple, simple adjustment on the tripod to where I can just get level. He's sitting down, immediately going to talk about the deer and awesome. the stock. So as the hunter, be patient. Don't, you know, like give your guys, you know, chances to set up. Give your guys chances to have the record on so all of your reactions are the reaction. Yeah. You're not going back and filming it twice. That way it's real. Like, yep. And when it's real, you connect with people. Yep. And that connection is just going to build your following or build your viewership or whatever it is. So as a hunter, be patient. Don't just like leave your cameraman behind. Yeah. You know, that's, that happens a lot. I'm yep. lucky that I have a cameraman that just keeps up. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I think a lot of cameramen just can't keep, you know, it, 
they're not necessarily hunters or they're not in shape to be able to hunt the way that Western hunters do. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky that I have a guy that, that does and I don't have to think about ever looking over my shoulder like, is Matthew here? Yeah. Like, you're doing your job and I, I, I think it was first like year of filming, like season two, and I think I figured it out midway through season three. Like season two, I was always stressed about like, dude, are you getting the shot? Like, did you get that? Can you yeah. grab that? Can you do this? Can yeah. you, like, I was trying to... You're doing two jobs. I was directing in my head of what I needed for the show, and then I was trying to put it on you and not like, but I wasn't sure if like you knew what to do yet. Yeah. You know? And then as season, you know, you work together and you, uh, once I just figured out, it was like, oh, let, like, let him do his thing. <laughs> We're going to be just fine. This stuff actually got better. You know, like, it, you just have to find that guy or that cameraman if you're wanting something filmed that knows, just knows how to put it together. Yeah. You know that they're, that they're there. You know that their gear is good enough to be on your tail. That they're, you know, it, that's just everything, dude. Like, find that guy, be nice to him, and probably buy his <laughs> coffees in the morning. <laughs> because they're not, there's not a lot of them. You know, it's just a fact. They can kind of put all, put that all together. So they're cutting up the deer. Mm -hmm. uh, you're finished, you're wrapping up the story. What are you trying to accomplish at just, this point? Just making, just going back in your head and just making, you know, kind of recapping all the footage that you've gotten over the last day and a half or the morning or the last week, whatever it is, you know, it's making okay. sure that in your head you think you can create a story with the footage that you have. Any closing statements, yep. any closing walkout, whatever. Yep. So, so just just make sure you have enough B-roll to go over some shots and, okay. you know, some of the walkout maybe, you know, it's sure. depending on how you want to close the show. It can be closing out, you know, gutting up the deer or, sure, you know, anything. So just making sure you properly end the story. Don't yes. leave a cliffhanger. Yes. Don't turn off the camera when you after you shoot the deer and not film anymore. Dude, and making your hunter <laughs> give proper statements. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of times, you just don't want to talk. Yeah. You know, hunter or something, something happens that they don't want No, if you do, say, give us, what's going on? Give us a live update quick. Okay. You know, yeah, so... Film 45 seconds. That, that actually leads me into the next thing I want to talk about is how are you communicating to the people you're filming? Because let's say on this, on this, like, yeah, you film me, but like, on a hunt where you know you're hired by another hunter to film a three-day story or whatever, how as the cameraman are you are you communicating with your hunters? If if so if, if I'm filming for somebody that doesn't usually sit in front of a camera, okay, I'm filming doing my usual thing. I'll film them walking, B-roll, blah blah blah. If they haven't turned and talked to the talk to me yet, I'll just look them. I'll just look at them like, hey, what's going on? Talk talk to me quick. So it's more. That, that's all it is. You're, you're approaching it more as instead of like putting a, you know, having a, the camera's obviously in their face, yep. but you're not being like, you're 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 trying to connect with the hunter yourself, because, person to person. Yep, it relaxes them. Okay. It lets them know like, you know, there's a camera here, but tell me what's going on. Pretend, yep. you know, just enlighten me. Yes. And then because that's they're gonna connect again with the viewer. Yep. So much more, and I think honestly that's why some of our stuff. Like, I'm always talking to Matthew. <laughs> Usually, like, on all of our interviews, I'm not thinking, talking to my viewers at home. Yeah. A lot of times, I'm just talking to Matthew and what's, yeah. like, what's going on. Yeah. And then it feels like, to the viewer, it feels like you're talking to them. Right. So, yeah, if you're the cameraman, make sure you're communicating with your hunter if you're yeah. filming them. It's, it's great to be quiet as a cameraman, but you still need to connect with your other worker. Yes. Yeah. You're, yeah, the hunter's your co-worker. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a really good point. So... Dude, I kind of like this. I think this will connect with some guys 
that maybe are getting into filming a little bit um, and progressing, what do they need? So we, we, we talked about our first camera, mm -hmm. and we've, we've moved into other cameras. Um, our full, our big camera now is what, uh, what would we shoot? Panasonic UX180? Yeah, UG, UG, so, something like something that. Something like that. Again, big full camera, full setup. Yep. Um, very forgiving. Uh, we, we rocked 4K on all of that mm -hmm. now, last several years. What do people, like, if you can give some suggestions, what do people need? So, if you're shooting more of a run and gun style, a lot of movement, make sure if you get a camera that it has a lot of stabilization in it. Okay. Because you're moving a lot, you don't want to carry around a big gimbal, so do your research on which cameras have really good stabilization. Okay. So your footage isn't shaky, you know, it'll help that footage stay under control a little bit. A little bit more forgiving. Yes. Okay. And then, you know, if you're going the SLR route, or if you're going to go you know, big camera route. Um, just make sure you have a lot of zoom, you know, for the outdoors, like that's all there is to it. You have to have a big lens to be able to reach out, you know, several several hundred yards or a mile. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So let, let's, let's talk about plus and minuses. You shoot both. We shoot yep. DSLR and we shoot, you know, yep. a full-size camera now. Lately, because I've been shooting with DSLR for the last year, give or take, mm -hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> DSLR, in my opinion, well, it's a lot lighter, so it's a lot more fun to carry around. Yeah, especially on the backcountry hunts that we're doing. Yes. So DSLR, that's I mean that's plus. I, I think uh, the colors are richer, obviously. Okay. Um, you can the pain in the next side is you have you have to swap out lenses, you know, um, to to be able to reach out at a distance or be able to get a close up. Um, the good side about our big camera, our Panasonic, is that it's an all-in-one package, but it doesn't shoot as crispy as the DSLR does. Yeah, the 4K is stupid unreal, and the depth is amazing. Yes, yeah. The, the depth within the shots are unbeatable, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, like, the fact that you can be beside me and shoot just my face yeah. and shoot a deer that's 600 yards away from the same spot is valuable. I mean, yeah. something you have to consider as a cameraman making your life easy. Yeah. Um, and fast, it's just a fast weapon. You yeah, know, like you can get everything. Um, and they are very, in my opinion, they're pretty forgiving. Yeah, it is for most. You know, and the heavier is good for wind. Yep. I mean, it's a plus. They, yeah, they both have their pros and cons. Yeah, what would you go with now if you had to start from fresh? You film all of our seasons with a big boy camera. We're talking about moving into a, like something a little different this coming year. I think I would go immediately to. DSLR. Yeah, I think so. You just go the light route. Yep, and just buy two lenses, one big boy for to be able to reach out, and one closer. Yep. And just deal with swapping out and yep. not destroying your sensor. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, plus and minus. But you're always going to have a stress of having a camera and ruining it. Yeah. I've you don't want to ruin a camera. Matthew's ruined cameras. <laughs> I have. Let's talk about, let's give that little story. Uh, we, were, we were on a shoot down in California, and uh, I was... I was we were on we were on the beach yeah and I was in the water shooting inland and I had a wave come up behind me for, I just you know just a rogue wave just just a random wave and just a dull moment apparently you know just <laughs> kind of forgetting where I was maybe or you know I was just trying to get a specific shot you know first just, day just of a week shot. shoot yeah <laughs> and uh, oh man yeah we came up and hit the camera from behind and 
That was that. Yeah, and if you've ever ran one of the big full bodied cameras, they have vents in the back. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't waterproof. Yeah. Water goes in those vents and it yeah. destroys your camera in seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't good. So yeah, I mean obviously there yeah. The, the footage was saved, luckily. Put it footage was still all good that we had. So yeah, it's uh take care of your camera gear, right? And yeah. dude, it's just the risk like I've come to that risk. I've come to that know that hey, you're out in the elements. The fact that we've only destroyed one camera in eight seasons, yep. in my opinion, saying good, pretty good. Yeah, considering yeah. the miles we put on. Oh, in rugged country. Knock on wood, like no broken lenses, no like. You yeah. know, it's just crazy. It's crazy that you know we haven't done more, but uh, we take care of our stuff though. Yeah. You know, we keep it covered up. We keep you know we keep it out of the elements. I mean, yeah. dust is probably one of the worst things. Yeah. So it's just one of those you just keep that thing blown off and you yeah. know a good case or a good bag is worth investing into you yeah know, a water resistant bag um you know that that way if you have it on your back and it starts raining like it's not going to get destroyed and that's a hard thing because you already invest it's tough because you it's kind of like buying an expensive gun and putting a cheap optic on it yeah guys do it all the time they spend three thousand bucks on a rifle and then put a four hundred dollar scope on it because yeah. They've already spent so much money that they feel guilty spending more money. Yeah. And that's how it is with camera gear too. You spend so much money on the camera gear and then you get to like buying a Peloton case or buying a nice backpack or the proper gear for the backpack and you're like, oh, it's 500 bucks? Oh, and then you go cheaper out mm -hmm. and <laughs> you're just not putting the protective, you know, materials around it that you should. Yeah. So like, yeah, don't, don't skimp when you get to that point. Build into your package and see what that total cost is going to be. Yeah. Um, so let's do this. Let's talk about sound because we talked about the visuals the whole time. What are you doing for sound? Because obviously on hunts, the hunter's always whispering. There's wind. Like that. That's a tough element. Yeah. So what, what are you doing for sound? So we run a Sennheiser mic on the hunter um, to pick up, you know, their whispers. Make sure, and I always monitor. Um, I'll run my headphones into one ear. I, I've seen, I've had people ask me so many times, like, are you listening to music while you're out there? I'm like, no. Like, I'm, <laughs> so there's a lot of pictures where I got one earbud in. Yes. And it looks crazy if somebody doesn't know that's what I'm doing. And a lot of, you see a lot of guys rocking like full headsets. Yeah. Why do you choose a single earbud versus a headset? It's easy to rip on and off. Yeah. Like it's just light. It's not an extra bulky piece of equipment on my head. That's, yeah. that's all there is to it. I don't need a giant headset to know what I'm hearing. For me, when yeah, for me when I I've ran the camera and I rock your single, little single one is mm -hmm. I actually like it because I can hear you like still, real time yeah. out of one ear and hear your voice if you're whispering yep. in the opposite. Yep. That's why I like it. But yep. So we run Sennheiser on the Hunter, and then I'll just run a shotgun mic on the camera as well to pick up you know the outside noises. Okay. You know, the world noises essentially. Awesome, awesome. It, that's dude. It's the toughest thing creating outdoor content is mm -hmm. because. The wind blows, even a lapel mic, the wind yep. can affect. Yep. Um, there's a lot of whispering and you can only jack up audio so high before it sucks. Yeah, it starts um, to distort maybe. Yeah, I've gotten to the point where like when we're on stocks, I don't even try to hide the lapel mic anymore. I just literally take it and I'm like, put it up to my mouth and I'm like, so we're 10 yards, yeah. we're 10 yards from, you know, I just whisper into it so it's direct sound. Because yep. I'd rather have that good quality or better quality right. than like, can't hear it with the wind overlapping, yeah. but. Sound is huge too, and sounds expensive, especially in editing. Like your post, like sound design is so important. You know, having the right background uh, music or track, um, build up to sound effects. You know, 
whooshes or whatever it is, like sound design is underrated and super, super important. It's so cool too. It's when you get into it, it's super cool. But sound, good sounds expensive. I mean, you can buy some cheaper mics to get by, but try to move into something like, I don't know if you can beat Sennheiser. In my opinion, I think it's great. Yeah. Um, it is a little pricey, but yeah. it's worth it. And you will hate not having yeah. When, you're, when you go back to edit and you think you have an interview from a hunter and then you sit down and you're editing and it's all covered up with wind and you have nothing, yeah. you're going to like drop some F-bombs and kick your wall. <laughs> it's, it's frustrating, yeah. you know? So just make, you know, think about the sound too. I mean, as a cameraman, it's not just visual, it's the sound as well. Yeah. Any closing statements from MFly, the camera guy today as we wrap up filming hunts? Just make sure you create a visual appealing story. You know, from start to finish, just make sure you can tell a story to somebody that's deaf. That's, I think that's the biggest thing is, it's, and just get different shots. Don't get the same shot 30 times. Challenge yourself creatively. Yeah. Yeah. And draw inspiration from, you know, whatever inspires you, whether it's music or movies or a TV show or whatever it is, you know, find something that you kind of, you know, just that excites you. Sure. Find something that excites you and... Get inspiration from that. Where are you drawing inspiration from right now? We talked about this like a year ago, what you were kind of drawing inspiration from some of your films, some of your projects. Anything right now that stands out to you that you're like digging that's going to affect season eight of Runtick on TV? Anything that stands out? Or are you just you in know, your own element now? Yeah, so I'm kind of in my own element a little bit. You know, uh, my favorite director and writer and producer just released a new movie that definitely brought some new stuff into my head mm -hmm. um other than that you know it's still still the same type of stuff still some music and that just visually you know music will visually uh inspire me and then you know yeah just some some big budget films that you know just different types of filming them so you're like you're the movie buff you're you're watching the big boy movies to gain new ideas kind of thing yeah not necessarily like small youtube films yep. or something like that and, and even um even some random videos, you know, that just I come across on like Twitter, TikTok, mm -hmm. or anything. Like it's just any little thing, you know, that it's just inspiring. Okay. I can't really explain it. It's just, yeah. You just gotta go out there and look, find stuff that and, connects and, with you. And don't copycat. You know, try and find find something you like, and then twist it and make it your own. Yeah, for sure. But don't freaking copy. Like just don't yeah. make it exactly like some somebody else's work. Yeah, make it fresh. Yeah. Yep. Put your own spin on it. I agree. That's what it's all about, dude. Yeah. That's what it's all about. So, all right. Thanks for coming on the show again today. We have one more coming up in this kind of series with Matthew. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a little bit of photography um, and mainly utilizing your cell phone on, on hunts specifically um, and how to get the most out of your cell phone. We're going to get into that in the next one. So I think that's a piece you'll really enjoy because there's a lot you can do with a cell phone. Cell phone's underrated. Um, obviously not as good as shooting with a DSLR or something, but there's ways to really utilize it um, to optimize some great photography really quickly. Yeah. So we'll get into that next. Uh, thank you guys so much for jumping on the show. Obviously, we'd love for you to share it if it connects with you and share it with a friend that helps us out a ton. Thank you guys so much. Check you later.